Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State. I'm your host, Josh Raley, and it is an absolutely fantastic day here in southern Wisconsin. It got up into the 50s today. I'm recording this in my garage where it's nice and warm feeling. I'm drinking a summer shandy, which, hey, it's February, and it just feels wrong but something about it also feels oh so very right so i hope you were able to get out and enjoy the weather uh looks like things are going to be dipping back and getting pretty chilly again so hey if you didn't make the most of it you missed out but it looks like maybe there's some good stuff on the way uh at least we're kind of most of the way through the winter hopefully march won't be won't be too bad for us this year but we've got an awesome episode in store for you today today i'm chatting with dave owens now you may know of dave from his youtube channel the pin project where he chases long beards all over the united states from maine to hawaii but i didn't get dave on to talk about turkey tactics or even to talk about his hunting across the u.s i had dave come on to talk about turkey conservation dave is one of the leading voices today leading the charge out there, uh, banging the drum, letting people know, hey, we need to be thinking about wild turkeys right now. Now, much of the U.S., there appears to be a decline in wild turkey populations here in the state of Wisconsin, especially southern Wisconsin, where I'm at. It appears that our turkey populations are very, very strong. In fact, just the other day, my wife went to Target and she had a group of Jake's uh, walking around in the Target parking lot, looking at cars and uh, sort of harassing people. So, uh, yeah, the turkey population seems to be seems to be very strong here where we are. But I think it's good to have these conversations about turkey conservation. Uh, one for our, the sake of our brothers in arms who love to chase turkeys uh, across the U.S. But two, uh, before we have a problem here in Wisconsin, we want to get to the bottom of what's leading to very low poult recruitment rate what's leading to very low uh, poult per hen rate Um, because those same factors could begin to impact us here in the state of wisconsin in fact as i've talked with with hunters around here uh and and sort of remarked about man this is great like this the turkey population here is outrageous and they're like yeah it is still really high but you should have seen it just a couple of years ago so i think anecdotally you know it's possible that uh some guys are starting to see a little bit of a slip here but uh, obviously, our turkey populations are still very, very strong compared to uh, much of the rest of the country. Now, the wild turkey is a conservation success story here in the U.S. We had very, very low populations a number of years ago. Organizations like the National Wild Turkey Federation stepped in, and boom, all of a sudden we have uh, huntable populations of turkeys in 49 states here in the U.S. But over the past two decades, it appears that numbers have been in decline once again. We want to get to the bottom of that. And uh, Dave has done a fantastic job raising awareness and also raising funds for wild turkey research. So it was great to have him on the show to pick his brain a bit and see, you know, what's he seeing? He hunts all over the place. What's he seeing when it comes to turkey populations? 
Uh, what are the questions that we should be asking when it comes to uh, turkey conservation? And what can we as the average hunter do to get involved, to make sure that this resource is here for not only our children, but our children's children to be able to enjoy that as well. So if you haven't already, like and subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is you access your podcasts, leave us a written review that really, really helps us out. Uh, you can follow along with us if you'd like on Instagram or on Facebook. And uh, also a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that I'd like to have some check-ins with uh, listeners to the show. It's great to have uh, guests on and interview them and pick their brain, but I really want to get some real-time information about what you guys are, are catching, what you guys are hearing and seeing out in the turkey woods, You know what you guys are finding when it comes to uh foraging here as spring rolls around so um yeah a couple of you have already reached out and let me know that you'd be interested in something like this if you're interested in that and haven't let me know already reach out to me on instagram now with all that stuff out of the way let's jump right into the episode with dave owens all right joining me for this week's episode of the wisconsin sportsman podcast is none other than dave owens how you doing dave i'm doing fine sir how about you man i'm doing really really well i've got turkeys on the brain and there's a foot and a half of snow outside Oh, man, I don't don't really know what to make of that, man. I've got a little bit longer to go before I can start chasing these birds around than you do. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, well, that's kind of what we've fallen into, chasing it as early as it starts to as late as it starts. So it's uh, one of the perks to the job, I guess you can say. Yeah, for sure, for sure. When's your your season going to kick off? Uh, It's always right there at the beginning of March. Um, Florida always starts that, South Florida always starts that first weekend in March. Um, the early you can start unless you fly across the pond to Hawaii, which always starts on March one. So um, we'll be one of the, one of those two places, and could be both again, like it was last year. So, man, I've seen some of your videos of hunting in Hawaii. That looks like a trippy experience. It is different. Um, I guess is the best way I can explain it. Uh, everybody thinks Hawaii and beaches and you know palm trees and warm air and the ocean breeze it's not <laughs> not the turkey hunting side of it at least not the, not the part that we went to not the stuff that we've done i've been over there a couple times now so it's uh it's definitely different um and i think if anybody doesn't do their research before they go over there they're going to be shocked to say the least yeah it looks like you're hunting on a different planet oh yeah it's, it's like the moon for sure i mean there's places on there that well first of all i mean where do you find turkeys you think you would never find turkeys but even yeah, it, it, it's a trip. Yeah, it is a trippy experience. Is a good way of explaining it. Man, where where are they roosting? Are they just finding bushes? Oh yeah, they're roosting in bushes. No doubt about it. Like little bitty, little. I mean, you could reach them. I mean, they're head high. So yeah. Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, to kick things off, uh, you know, we're I'm I'm the host of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast. You know, we're a little bit further north than you are down there in the in the southeast. So. Uh, maybe there's some folks who uh, aren't familiar with you and everything that you've got going on. So uh, let's hear a little bit about Dave Owens and what got you into hunting. Ooh, what got me into hunting was, I don't know, I just come from a hunting family. My dad was a fanatical deer hunter. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, just kind of what you do, at least around here, which I'm I'm pretty sure that's the same way in, in Wisconsin. I know you guys have a really rich deer hunting heritage. And my dad was, like I said, a deer hunter. Um, I got the turkey hunting bug just kind of on my own. Uh, man it just you know one thing led to another i just kept wanting to be good at it wanting to be successful wanting to get close to turkeys and kept learning where i could and yeah that kind of 
rolled me into what I do now. And we just got to, was really fortunate and, and able to be raised up in a very, uh, a times when the turkey hunting culture was doing a lot of changing or maybe not the culture, but at least the, the instruments and the, the stuff that was happening, I kind of got brought up to where I was able to be a part of all of it and all the different, um, ways you can go about it and kind of fell into what was my favorite and kind of led me to where the foundation of the Penhody project kind of started was just wanting to share that foundation. I found most enjoyable with the, with the hunting, hunting crowd out there that may, may otherwise overlook it. So. Sure. Sure. So growing up a, a deer hunter, how'd you make that shift over to turkeys? You're, you're basically self-taught, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, like I said, it was kind of a weird time because it was still that moment in time when turkey hunters were a little bit hard to find and they didn't speak much um, and wanted to kind of keep it to themselves. Anything you learned was through magazines and on forums, um, that kind of thing. And I was just a sponge, took, took, took in all the good and bad information. But, uh, yeah, as far as what kind of trip that trigger i have no idea i can't put my finger on it like yeah i was just my dad kept us in the woods he was a like i said a fanatical deer hunter and i was just anything outside you know the kid that went out the back of his cul-de-sac and stayed in the woods for hours with a bb gun harassing birds and squirrels and just learned your woodsmanship there just anything outside learning critters and what they did and why they did it and i don't know we just came infatuated with it and I've always been one of those kids that could hear something and mimic it. And, you know, whether it be a squirrel barking, uh, you know, songbirds, mockingbirds, whatever, I could I could kind of mimic it. So it just made sense for turkeys to really appeal to me. And when I got into, you know, calling turkeys and communicating with turkeys, it was just a perfect fit. Um, and can't be more obsessed with it than I am now, you know, or, you know, didn't think it was possible. And it's just like every year, just love it more. So kind of where I'm at. That's awesome. So you cut your teeth in Georgia, is that right? That's it. Yep, in Georgia. Um, that's where it's that's, that's home base. That's where it all where the seed was planted for me. Man, my very first uh, turkey hunting experience was with a guy uh, who's a, a, a friend or a dad's a friend's dad. Let me say it like that. A friend of mine, his father, took us out turkey hunting down in Blakely, Georgia. Okay. Okay. And uh, man, we it was. It was phenomenal. We, I didn't get a bird, but holy smokes, just the going from year round deer hunting in my thought process to all of a sudden these birds that sneak up right behind you and gobble down your neck. Um, man, that was just something else. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's different to say the least. And that's, that's the beauty behind turkey hunting. I mean, it's, 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 it's the only one, in my opinion, that you can come back to the to the truck with a smile on your face was empty handed, you know. You don't have to have blood and feathers to have a good time. Um, not that you can't doing, you know, deer hunting and, and waterfowl or whatever else, but just like every time I come back to the truck, turkey hunting, whether it's win, lose or draw, um, man, it's been a good experience. I just love springtime. I like being in the woods during springtime. I like things coming back to life. Um, uh, it's a beautiful time of year for me. So yeah, for sure, man. Something special about it. So, all right. So you cut your teeth down in Georgia. You uh, started turkey hunting, kind of self-taught on that front. What got you uh, hunting public land? I mean, you're you're basically you're exclusively public land these days, right? Uh, no, I'm exclusively a turkey hunter. 
Uh, I'll hunt turkeys wherever <laughs> Chase them they, where you can find yeah, them. I'll turkey, I'll turkey hunt where I can where I can find them. Yeah, I'm not exclusively a public land guy. I mean, I do hunt a lot of public land because I travel so much, and it's just not, you know, it's just not realistic to have private land and everywhere that I go, I may hunt twelve or fifteen states a year. You know, so public land is what's accessible, and that's what I cut my teeth on because I'm not from a rich family. My family didn't have didn't have private ground. Um, if we had private ground, it's because we knocked on the door. A friend of the family, that kind of situation. Um, but I was really fortunate. To, my dad was part of the small hunting club. It bordered a, a big WMA, and uh, when the dates would allow it, we we hunted all of it, you know. And um, that's kind of where uh, where I started. And I guess I just bypassed that um, mystique about public land because it was just what I had. You know, a lot of people have this like belief that public land haunted or it's it, you know, it's, it's impossible or, or whatnot. And I guess I just hurdled that without knowing it because that was all that was available to me. And, you know, it took some effort, but I could find turkeys that would act just like the ones on the TV on the public ground sometimes. So it just, mm. uh, you know, it just bypassed all of that, that, you know, that negativity that can, can sometimes accompany public land. Yeah, for sure. They, uh, it certainly catches a bad rap, you know, and, uh, Obviously, for in deer hunting, people are real familiar with that. But turkey hunting as well. I mean, I've heard a lot of folks talk about how, you know, with this piece of public property, the turkeys just don't gobble, don't act right, and that kind of thing. And and there there can be some some so difficulties that, can be that come along with the pressure. That. What's that? I said, oh yeah, there can definitely be some validation to that. I mean, there's there's definitely pressured turkeys that act different for sure. Yep, yep. I there was a, a piece in Louisiana that uh, I mostly was deer scouting it and uh, not, I'd never did any turkey hunting on it, but I was out there quite a few times and actually saw some turkeys in the fall. Uh, but anytime I was out there during the spring, I never once heard a turkey gobble. Not one time. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, Those so Louisiana tell me a little bit. They're, they're a different, they're, they're a definitely a special breed because they, they hunt stuff with a vengeance. I'm here to tell you, I've, I've been all over it. <laughs> southeast in, in particular but those louisiana guys i mean they they uh they're mad at them <laughs> yeah do you do a fair bit of hunting down in louisiana i've hunted louisiana a handful of times yeah i mean i've got you know okay. hunter that you'll see on the videos he's from louisiana as about as cajun as you get and uh my my brother uh played college ball um uh, with a with a guy from louisiana and we're good buddies with him and um they came up hunting with us in tennessee this year so i mean i'm I've somehow surrounded myself with a handful of these Cajuns and, um, yeah, they're, they're a special breed of folks and they're, they're good hunters. They're relentless hunters, you know? I mean, they're just one of those, one of, they're just the, you know, the brand of ones that I know are just from that, cut from that cloth of where I'll take them to the end of the earth if that's what's called for. Yep. That's right. They're, they're relentless and they're indiscriminate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just, they're getting after something that they can shoot and eat. We spent about, I guess, eight years or so in Louisiana. Um, just moved up here to Wisconsin not too long ago. So, yeah, real holds a, a fond place in my in my heart and in my memories. Uh, so, t- tell me a little bit about about Penhody Project. How did how did that get started? It, it's obviously pretty has become pretty big. Did you ever think it was going to become what it is today? Absolutely not. I mean, who, who could have ever dreamed it? You know, I wake up every morning. You know, just pinch myself almost, you know, just like I have the ability to, to share my passion and love with what I do, what I have done as a, 
obsessive hobby for so long now. I get to kind of do that all the time and share it with folks and get them to kind of uh, partake in same kind of experiences. So, I mean, it's just a, it's a dream come true. Um, just started this thing because I don't know. We just wanted to wanted to kind of uh, portray the way we like to turkey hunt, how we like to chase turkeys, and how would the the uh, how we like for the whole the whole game to be played, so to speak. It was got to where there were so many tools and instruments that were introduced to turkey hunting that that's all you could find if you ever searched out turkey hunting media and the TV shows showed it being done a specific way, and it was like everybody was just falling into this mold. And we knew a lot of folks still hunted, and I don't know, still haven't figured out the proper title. I don't know if it's more of a traditional approach or if it's more of a, I don't know what you want to call it, but it's just it's just keeping that game on somewhat of a level playing field when it comes to, to the methods and whatnot we choose. Um, and I like I, I can't, I, I come up, very unique time when I was able to watch it all unfold. I watched everything from, you know, TSS to come about and the decoys to come about and the strutting decoys to come about and the ultra realistic decoys to come about. Like, and I partook in the, the blind, using the blinds and, and all of those tools that were introduced kind of as I was coming up and coming through it. And I used them all. And uh, I fell into this kind of the way I do it now. And I found it most fulfilling. Um, and I just kind of, from what we were able to kind of gather, that was kind of being glossed over uh, because the maybe at the surface value it was not quite as glossy and it wasn't quite as attractive through the camera lens because it wasn't as flashy. You know what I mean? It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, you don't get that those turkeys to. I don't know. You just if you don't use decoy, you don't get all that turkey footage where the turkeys are just there and enamored and almost oblivious to you being there holding the shotgun. You know, so yeah, kind of. It was kind of difficult to portray that, and so you saw less and less of it. So we kind of jumped in, threw our hat in the ring, and said, "Hey, we're going to show the way we do it, <clears throat> right, wrong, or indifferent. This is how we do it. We suggest you giving it a try because we've done it every way imaginable and this is the best way we've found and there's just something about sitting down next to a gobbler that you feel like you, you killed him on his terms, on his own playing field without, you know, without a lot of gadgetry. Um, didn't want to look down on anybody, you know. We don't want to don't want to cast any shade over anybody and doing it how they want to. It's just that I was afraid that folks were going to possibly go their whole turkey hunting lives without ever experiencing what I get to experience and I just felt that was a disservice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're a, a minimalist kind of, it seems when it comes to, to what you carry into the Turkey woods. Kind of, sort of, um, it's, it's kind of, I don't need, like I said, it's hard to put a title on it because I'm not one of these guys that, that done technology and advancement. You know what I mean? Like I carry a 20 gauge and I shoot TSS, for example, I shoot TSS cause I feel like it's the most efficient and ethical way to harvest a Turkey. You know, I'm, I'm not shooting at turkeys intentionally over 40 yards every day. You know, I still play the game the way I play it if I was loaded with a two and three quarter inch number six lead shot. You know, I, I don't change the way I play the game, but I feel like I would be a fool to not use a more ethical ammunition because in short, it's just going to, it's going to result in less wounded turkeys and things of that nature, man. You know, your margin of error just grows there. If you pull a shot, it would have, otherwise wounded the turkey or sent a turkey to 
to, to coyote food. I mean, now you get to collect him. It's just a, you know, it's a no brainer for me, but at the same, yeah, minimalist because we don't, basically we rely on what's between our ears a lot more than what's in the back of our vest. You know, we don't rely on a lot of tools that, uh, you know, the, the flashy stuff. We, we kind of rely on woodsmanship and calling ability and just their intimate knowledge of the bird. I mean, that, that kind of stuff is kind of what we want, what we rely on and what we, kind of like to rely on when it comes to comes to fooling these things yeah so tell me about so you know uh, obviously deer hunting is a prime example of a of an industry that's born around gadgetry right and uh, turkey hunting can be can be very very similar um seems like maybe not quite as so as deer hunting but certainly certainly up there and i think a lot of times you know guys get into thinking they need to take certain things with them into the woods and rather than helping them, I th- actually think it hurts them. I think some people are probably getting on fewer birds, having less success because of some of the things that they bring into the woods. And would would you agree with that? And if so, what are some of those things that you think people could leave at home and probably be better off without? Um, lots to unwrap there, what you just said, because I can start from the top, and I would disagree on deer hunting having more gadgetry than turkeys. Um, okay. At least yeah, more let's go efficient, there. And at least more efficient gadgetry because one simple aspect that we have to understand is turkeys live during the daytime, and that's the only option they have. They can't yep. thrive at night like deer can. So when the pressure gets put on deer, they can live at night and, for the most part, still live. Um, turkeys are exposed to the gadgetry because they have to you know, if they're on a tree all night, they can't eat at night. They can't, they can't thrive at night. So the tools that are, that are, uh, made available for turkey hunters have a lot higher odds of being used on the turkeys because I don't know if oh, it's yeah. that, that, but not to mention, you're talking about a bird and a mammal here. The deer, I don't know. They don't have the sign stimulus that turkeys have. They don't have that reflex, that trigger that is a biologically put into place by God to, for the, the resilience of the species. They don't have, deer don't have that. Um, at least not to the extent that turkeys have. I mean, I got a rooster out here in the yard. Um, you walk outside with a red shirt on, I don't care what you're doing. He's going to come at you no matter what. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, they feel like it, it is in their brain. It has been put there that it is absolute necessary life or death. Um, and that's able to be capitalized on with turkeys, uh, unfortunately. But all that being said, yeah, I mean, when it comes to decoys and blinds, like I said, I came up in a time when I used all that stuff, was exposed to it. Um, you can kill a whole pile of turkeys with it, but we get back around to something else you said is, is success and being successful. And it's all part of the, you know, maturing as a turkey hunter and understanding that, what you deem success, you know, what, what you kind of label as success. And thankfully I've come to that point in time. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound like some bleeding heart that's not putting on his boots with intention on killing the turkey. Cause when I leave that truck, that's my intention is to kill one. Um, but that being said, I, I, I've got to the point where you don't have to define success of the morning on actually bringing back cold meat and blood and feathers, you know? Um, but, um, but yeah, you can definitely, um, it can work against you carrying all that stuff, being less mobile. 
um, and, and even more so than that, just getting stuck in any frame of mind. The most successful turkey hunters, in my opinion, that you're going to find are those people that are usually successful at hunting anything they want to kill because they have that ability to adapt and, and morph and overcome and just kind of problem solve, see what's out in front of them and figure out what needs to be done to accomplish the goal. Um, and when you start doing something and you get stuck in any rut and any train of thought and thinking that it's the only way, and that a lot of times happens when you have a lot of the gadgetry and the tools, you think that's the only way and you, and you can't accomplish the goal any other way, it can definitely be a hindrance. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that I see guys around here, uh, you know, I'm in Southern Wisconsin, so it's ag country, uh, pretty wide open, you know, I mean, farm fields all over the place and, uh, the turkeys really like it, but I see a lot of guys get hung up on needing that blind or feeling like they need that blind and, and not wanting to leave it. Um, and so could probably have a lot more success if they'd just be a little bit more mobile, get out, get outside. Um, but you know, Dave, I, I wanted to talk to you about, um, specifically about turkey conservation. You know, I think there's a lot of guys that I could talk to about hunting strategy, and I think you would obviously be one of the best ones I could talk to about hunting strategy, and I'll probably try to track you down again for that. But I want to take just a minute and talk about uh, turkey conservation and other issues like that surrounding the wild turkey. Um, what is the state of the wild turkey in the U.S. right now? I mean, you've kind of become a voice especially on social media for turkey conservation. So tell me what's going on there. Um, first off, thank you for saying that because I think it's a beautiful thing that we've got more people talking about turkey conservation and actually helping put more turkeys on the ground rather than taking turkeys off the ground. I found it distasteful. It seemed like every year it was deer this, ducks that um, on social media. Nobody talked about turkeys unless they were putting them over their shoulder or making some you know, some snide comment about how lethal they were and all, all that. I, I found that so distasteful. And now I'm watching that narrative change to people trapping or people burning or people in favor of, you know, maybe reducing their harvest or reducing their footprint on the, on the taking of the resource, um, watching research and trusting it, um, wanting to be a part of, you know, answering some questions that we have. I mean, I think just a, a unified voice as turkey hunters is, is a huge thing. And I think across the board, north to south, the majority of states have seen decreased turkey populations, at least. And, I, and here again, it's just very isolated. I mean, not very, but it's isolated. I know some areas that doesn't seem like turkeys are doing as good now as they, they have ever, and in some areas they're not. Um, I'm not one of those people that can really put my finger on. Let's just say that there's other people that think the turkeys are doing a lot worse than I do. Um, I won't say that there's not an issue. There's obviously an issue. Um, there wouldn't be as many people talking about it if there wasn't. But I'm in a very unique position to where I travel so much. It's hard for me to um, watch one population for an extended period of time because I'm only there for a handful of days a season. But I, the people that are talking about it, I trust them, you know. And, um, even if, man, even if the turkeys were doing as good now as they've ever done, it sure as heck ain't going to hurt to pay attention to them because I feel like, you know, we, we, we introduced trap and transfer, turkey population soared and boomed. And I think we kind of sealed the envelope on them and thought they were going to take care of themselves. And 
Uh, myself included, I didn't realize what a fragile resource wild turkeys were. I mean, they pretty fragile. I mean, we got to take care of them. And um, given the platform that I have for some reason, I felt like it would have been been a huge, like I said, a disservice if I just continued to harp on killing turkeys and not saving turkeys. And if I can figure out a way to leave more than there, than there was when I got there, that's what I'm looking to do. And, um, you know, I, as much as I want to be known as a turkey hunter, um, I, I don't want to be known as a turkey murderer. You know what I mean? I don't want to be known as nope. Dave Owens is the guy that kills all his turkeys and kills a bunch of turkeys and takes people and kills turkeys and kills all these whatever clams and killed them in this whatever. I'd, I'd much rather be known as the guy that, that wrapped his mind around what we could do to answer some questions we have about population and make some changes and whether that be habitat manipulation or whatever it may be, regulate, whatever it may be to where 10 years, 20 years from now, we're like, man, turkeys are able to be hunted how we want them to be hunted and they're still thriving, you know? And I, I think, I think the balance exists out there to hunt them like we want to hunt them and, and still have, you know, have our cake and eat it too, I guess. I just think that there's a lot of questions out there we have yet to answer to figure out what that balance needs to be. Yeah, I I think you're exactly right. Now, I I live in a state, I'm here in Wisconsin, um, you know, reports as of late, you know, say, hey, there's no decline in the population here here that we're noticing in the state. Uh, You talk to some hunters, though, they're saying, hey, we ain't, we're not seeing the birds that that we saw before. We're not seeing the clutch sizes that we saw before. We're just, you know, we, we feel like there is a decline. And then you look around the United States and you hear people talking about population decline across the U S particularly down in the Southeast. So, and you mentioned, you know, you get to travel all over the place. What is Dave Owens opinion about Turkey populations? Like, do you think that these massive declines are, are, you know, located in certain areas or how, how is that working? Do you think? Yeah, I definitely wouldn't use the term massive. I wouldn't use the term massive. I wouldn't use the term, uh, what was another one I heard thrown around? Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I can't remember. There's just been a lot of like scary words used. Um, and, you know, anytime anything's presented, somebody's going to be a little bit more extravagant to make their story a little bit more catchy. And I think that's yep. kind of what happens has happened with turkeys. I think it's good to be afraid and be concerned for the resource. I think it's good to realize that we need to consider it. It, it, it like I said, um, much more fragile than even I realize. You know what I mean? And, and um, but at the same time, we're not dealing with an endangered species here. I mean, it's yep. turkeys. I don't think that we're going to be without turkeys next year. You know, it, it. We just need to start paying attention. I guess is what I'm saying. And and myself included for the longest time I just took 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 from the resource. So I've got a lot of ground to make up when it comes to putting more turkeys on the on the land, but I'm up for the task. Like I'm I am here to do whatever's necessary to to, to keep turkeys around. Um they're way too important to me to uh to kill the last one, I guess is what I'm saying. But sure. Massive declines I wouldn't say and like I was mentioning earlier, it's isolated. Uh, there's areas that seem to be have just as many turkeys as they've ever had. Um, so I think a lot of the stuff you're seeing is a little bit knee-jerk responses, just to kind of in case, you know, just in case they want to be more safe than sorry. And I'm, I'm yeah. thankful for that. I don't want us to 
just a lot of times it can be hard to go back. You know, if, if the population's hurt, it can take it a lot longer to recover. So, but at the same time, I don't want us to overpunt the coverage. You know, I want us to use science to base a lot of these regulation changes on. And um, that's why I think research is, is important because I don't think we have the answers. We have a lot of questions. And we have a lot of theories. And we have a lot of uh, probably some really good educated guesses. And we're really lucky to have some brilliant minds really getting the attention they deserve around turkey and turkey research and, and studies and whatnot. Um, so we've got a lot of people supporting that and then believe in the research and wanting the research. So we're really lucky that, that the popularity of turkey hunting has gotten all of that back to the top of the stack and back to being important again. Um, so the turkeys aren't overlooked. Um, they're not the main revenue stream a lot of times in just about any state. It's always going to be deer. Um, yep. So I think it's important for for turkeys to rise to the top because it is important and, and the popularity of turkey hunting. And then just, just, you know, I don't think it's as much as the popularity of turkey hunting and new turkey hunters, as much as it is just existing turkey hunters being more involved. And I think that's kind of what's taking place. And, and I think it's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, something you said a second ago, uh, no matter what's going on with the turkey population in your area, it's not going to hurt to pay attention to them. Yeah, you know, this is a resource that we love, something that we just, you know, fills us up when we get out on the landscape and get to chase these birds around. Then it's something that's worth preserving. It's something that's worth talking about. And it's something that's worth stewarding well, I think. Um, and so as you're thinking about, you know, and, and, and hearing about the, you know, wild turkey populations around the U.S., as this conversation about conservation uh, continues to grow, what are some of those studies that uh, are answering questions that that we need to be that we need to be asking, if that makes sense. Like, what are some of those studies that have got you excited, or what are some of those pressing questions that that Dave Owens really wants to see answered? Well, I mean, anything you're going to see, and most people are what they're going to talk about is regulation change because that's what affects them the most. I mean, you know, they want to be able to hunt turkeys like they've always been able to hunt turkeys. They want to be able to kill turkeys like they've always been able to want to kill. And here's a spoiler: me too. Like, I want to be able to hunt them. As much and as, 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 as I've always, what I've gotten used to doing, um, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's what I want. Now, wants and, and what's reality may be different, but that being said, like, it, it's become alarming when you started looking at turkeys and listening to the guys that have centered their lives around researching turkeys is the answers, the, the, the lack of answers. Um, it's always like there's an open-ended question. They can give you a part of the answer, but there's like, we, we need more to really understand it. And in science and in wild turkeys and, and any kind of wild animal, I think there's always going to be an open end to each question because, I mean, it's an ever-evolving resource that, you know, it's, it's, it's just like humans. I mean, we're moving with the time. Things are changing. And that's why when I, I really get frustrated when I see somebody say, we've already done a research project like that. You know, there's already been, it's already been done like this. Like, man, there's so many questions to each project. And just because it was done 10 years ago doesn't even – mean that it's relevant now like it things change um yep. but i mean as far as a specific question i can't i can't answer it i know we have a turkey factory problem uh we have a supply and a demand problem we have a demand for a resource and we are not making enough of them in a lot of areas um what i would like to see answered is how we can <clears throat> manipulate habitat or regulation or whatever we need to do to make more turkeys um, you know, our, our poult per hen numbers have been going down for the last decade or more even, um, you know, they've been falling consistently and you just haven't heard that being talked about. 
another one of those things that I think it's just it's a blessing that turkey hunting has gotten has gotten popular because now people know that and it was getting talked about and people won't answer as to why the poultry hen numbers are falling. Um, nobody really, I mean, everybody has theories and I'm sure, I mean, it's a multi, there's a lot of answers to it, I guess. Every, every little bit helps, whether it be nest, nesting habitat, like, um, you know, whether it be the size of burns, the timing of burns, but I don't know, there's so many questions and I would love for us to really nail down what works. Um, and so that we basically have a formula that we can work off of, know that we at least us as habitat managers, game managers, whatever you want to call it, are providing the turkeys with the absolute best chance of making more turkeys. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's what the research tells us, uh, whether it be regulation changes that's actually going to be effective. Um, and habitat changes that'll that'll benefit the turkeys the most you know for sure so tell me about uh a little bit of um what you think should be happening maybe in the short term right like we're we're working on getting these these questions answered but we're talking multi-year studies like i've heard of things down in the southeast where they've got the little meters out in the woods where they're listening to gobbles and they're trying to figure out whether they should delay the start of the season or you know, give you one tag on the first week and then you can't use your second or third tag until subsequent weeks so that they can, you know, increase some of that breeding that's going on. But like I heard you mention in another, um, in another podcast, you know, the, the eggs that are the, the nests that they're finding, you know, 90% of the eggs are, are fertilized or something like that. I mean, super high rates. So, um, but what are some of the things that you think need to be done short term to allow the science to catch up? Yeah, and I could preface, uh, preface all of this by saying I'm not a biologist. Like, you can get Goolsby or you can get Chamberlain or one of those guys online, and they can give you hard, fast numbers. I may be misreading something. I may be – I'm just – I'm a normal guy, which I guess is what kind of allows me to put a lot of this stuff in layman's terms because I'm trying to put it into words that I understand, you know, and I may – what I may be saying may not exactly be black and white, but – um as far as what needs to happen, yeah, man, I don't, I don't have the answer, you know. So, so like that study uh, you were just mentioning about ninety percent, basically a lot of the eggs are being fertilized. Um, I hope I didn't misquote that. <laughs> you know, I, I'd urge everybody to start digging into the research on their own um, and looking for those numbers uh, because you know, here again, I read something and it goes into my memory bank, and I, and you know, I. I probably speak out of turn more or less but that being said i just think i think it's a good thing for people to really start digging if they're really interested in something to really reach out there and and do a lot of your own research and ask your own questions because that was one of the beauty behind here again this stuff being popular is if enough questions be or asked eventually the right one will be asked you know what i mean it's like that melting pot theory if we all pitch in and put in our opinions the right answers and the right question is in there somewhere, you know? So, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of like the delay in the season, um, why is it, it'll be effective because anytime you reduce opportunity, you're going to have a higher carryover. Um, going to be less turkeys being killed. But here again, I don't think that has 
direct effect, or it's not a big effect, as big effectively as we're going to want it to have on the poultry hen. I'm not sure that's going to make those hens jump from raising 0.8 poults to 2.4 poults. You know what I mean? I don't know if yep. that will. I mean, and a lot of this has less to do with killing the turkeys and more to do to disruption in that whole nesting cycle, the nesting um, incubation phase, initiation phase, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I mean, I think what we're seeing is some of the same kind of population dips, even in states that have always been more in tune with start and stop dates that are biologically appropriate. Um, so, I mean, that means there's more questions to be answered there because that's not going to be a, it's not going to be a one and done, you know? I mean, I don't think, if I'm not mistaken, there's research being done on places that don't even allow hunting and we're seeing our poult for hen numbers tank in those areas too, you know? So basically yep. what I'm saying is there's there's bigger fish to fry or more fish to fry, I guess I should say. Um, I just that's why, I, I, that's why I'm a big proponent of research and trying to find some of these answers. Um, there's so many things. We don't, we don't know how to count turkeys. Like, we don't know how many turkeys a place has because, I mean, they're reclusive birds. They're really hard to count. Um, trail camera stuff that you can use on deer really, from what I understand, doesn't work as well on turkeys. Um, so we got to figure out a way to count them. We got to figure out how, you know, carry capacity, I think is a really tricky thing because you can kind of take a deer, you know, how much food it needs and how much ground, I mean, how much, you know, basically forage this ground is going to offer it. And you can kind of get a carrying capacity in some region about how many deer you should have per square acre, per square mile, whatever. I don't know if we know that for turkeys because, I mean, it's a turkey. They eat anything they can fit in their mouth and can't ever tell how many insects your ground is going to produce. So I don't know. There's just a lot of questions starting with how to count turkeys, um, how important is the hen to be bred before you start allowing hunting, what percentage of the male population can you take out without there being detrimental effects to population. I mean, man, there's just a ton of questions that we don't have firm answers to, and that's why I like I like the research side of things. I want to I want to figure out some answers to this stuff because I think hidden in there somewhere is the right answer. Sure. Well, you know, I, I've really appreciated the voice that you've been uh, exercising out there here lately to to bring all of this to the forefront and to to help folks like me that really haven't thought a ton about turkey conservation bring this conversation up and just start to say, Hey, maybe we should start thinking about this resource a little bit more, a little bit better, a little bit differently. Uh, maybe we should, you know, base, base our hunting regulations and our management practices off of something besides how many turkeys we're getting to kill. And maybe even besides how many turkeys we're getting to hear gobble and that sort of thing and start paying a little bit closer attention to this pulp per hen, uh, number. Cause that to me is, is the most concerning uh, of all. And I've, I've heard, I don't know what numbers you've heard, but like you, I've had numbers come into my brain and stick in there and I don't know where they came from, but you know, hearing things like 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 pulse per hen that yeah. are actually making it onto the next season. Is that similar to what you're hearing? Yeah, for sure. In certain regions, definitely. Um, we're definitely not seeing over two, which is what we need, you know? Um, yep. so this, yeah, it's, but the thing about it is, it's like been a been a slow leak. I mean, this has been happening for like a decade at minimum in just about all areas. I mean, so not something that's been overnight. It's not going to be an overnight fix. And even to even to know if you've made a good move 
like if, if one of your changes is even, I mean, it's going to take years to figure out if it was beneficial or not. That's what kind of, it's not an immediate fix. And that's kind of hard for me. And as I'm sure everybody else to say, it's not working. It's not working. Like, man, we don't know. It's probably going to take three years to even know if it's working. Um, yeah. it's not a, it's not a light switch. You know, we can't flip it and watch it, watch it, the bowl turn on, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely different. Um, and me coming from just being a normal old hunter, jumping into this stuff. And maybe it was because I have the platform that kind of, I was thrust into, felt like I needed to be more educated on this stuff. And, and speak to folks in the know and kind of get get the important stuff out there or what I felt like was important stuff out there. Cause like I said, I'm a normal guy, a normal turkey hunter. So what I felt important, I felt like other folks were going to find important. And um, I don't know, just get conversation started about it so that we can, like I said, we can find some answers to this stuff. Yep. So as an average hunter myself, right, just the, the random guy on the street, what what can we start to do to, to educate ourselves and to start um, figuring out what all is going on there. Like what are, who are some of the groups we should be paying attention to, or what are some of the, the organizations that are, that are going to be bringing us news that's reliable, that's not necessarily alarmist, but that is, you know, looking at the reality of what we've got. Well, the popularity of turkey hunting has really motivated some of these, you know, NWTF went through a lot of changes. Um, I feel like NWTF hit a low there with this whole, uh, it was blamed on COVID. Who knows? Um, I'm sure COVID had a huge issue, uh, had a huge part in it. Um, but thankfully, it seems like that ship has been righted. And, and NWTF still, I mean, their, their footprint is huge. I mean, they are the original Turkey Conservation Organization. Um, the amount of money they put into Habitat, you, you, we can't not have NWTF, essentially is what I'm saying. So you can pay attention to that stuff. And they've got so many fingers and so many different projects and stuff beautiful spot to start i mean because they have been involved for so long i mean since the 70s you know and i made mention of that you know you've got turkeys for tomorrow that just hit the ground running a year ago and and it seems like in every dark time comes something really good and like i said you know the the, the turkeys were in a dark time coming out of the 50s and 60s you had the birth of nwtf and look at its successes um some folks would say this is a dark time for turkeys as well uh, I don't. I don't remember in my lifetime anybody talking about the turkey declines and, and populations being being uh, threatened or not threatened. Threatened's a bad word, but you know, just being of concern. And now you have turkey for tomorrow that kind of hit the ground and, and been burst out of this dark spot. So there's light at the end of the tunnel. I think paying attention to the research projects and the questions that those type organizations are looking to answer. Um, your state agency is another one that I think people really need to start paying attention to. Um, let's just be honest. I mean, just paying attention to what your state agency is doing because state agencies right now have more money than they've typically ever had. Their PR dollars, you know, we've got tons of gun owners now. People are buying guns. People, you can't find ammunition on the shelves. It's not because it's not being made. It's because people are buying it. And that money goes into a pot that the state agencies can get their fingers into as long as they have the license sales to prove that they're doing their part. So, in short, these agencies are getting a lot of money right now, and I think it's up to us as sportsmen to keep our eyes on that and figure out where that money's going. Um, make sure it's going to where the majority thinks it should go. Um, stuff like that. It, you don't. Have, 
I, there was a conversation that came up about money. It's always about money. It's always about funding. It's always about spending money there. Well, you got to have money to do anything, right? I mean, nothing's free. So money is very valuable. But at the same time, making sure that money gets to the right places is just as important. Who cares how much money you have if it's not going to do what needs to be done? So making sure your state agency is held accountable um, at every level of the process, um, not blaming state agencies. I mean, they have their shortcomings, but don't we all, you know, but just taking part. I mean, just not walking outside and griping about how bad things are rather than trying to be a part of the solution rather than just being another whiny voice and part of the problem, you know? Um, so it's not always about money, you know, it's not, it's just being involved and, and having a voice and using the voice to, uh, to ask the questions and figure out if, if there is a shortcoming in your agency or in a nonprofit or anywhere, like expose it. Like let's, let's talk about it and get an explanation as to, you got all this new money. Are we getting more land acquisition? Are we doing more habitat improvements than we were 10 years ago? Are we, you know, well, what's happening with all this money that we're, we're hitting the ground with now due to the increased license sales and the, and the, uh, the PR dollars we have available to us. And, you know, so just, uh, paying attention here again, what we talked about just, uh, not forgetting what we got available to us. And, um, you know, not taking anything for granted and paying attention to what's going on around us. I think the biggest thing we can do for turkeys. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's, I, you know, I see, for instance, uh, a groundswell of support coming out in states like Arkansas for the, uh, for the turkey stamp. You know, I think, I think the general public has a, a huge role to play. Just letting your, letting your state know, like, hey, we would, we're happy to put more money into this. You know, we're, we're willing to, to support wild turkey conservation right here in our state, wild turkey studies right here in our state. Uh, we had something similar going on in, um, in Wisconsin a couple of years ago. The uh, duck hunters decided they wanted to increase the duck stamp dollars. And, you know, that money gets used to, to buy and lease properties all around the state of Wisconsin and for all sorts of things for ducks. And uh, they were able to successfully p- pass some legislation to get that, that money increased. And, I, you know, I see something like the, the possibility for turkeys – uh, to have something very, very similar here in the state of Wisconsin, because I think the current turkey stamp is like five bucks or something like that. And, you know, you see, so you bring that to, to $10, all of a sudden you're, for very little money, uh, you're doubling the revenue that can be devoted to, to wild turkeys. Yeah, you're just lucky to have one, you know. Uh, in the yep. southeast, yep. we're still throwing darts at a, at a board to figure out how many turkey hunters we have, um, because we don't have any designated stamps and and licensing for turkeys and i mean this is one of the spots turkey hunting heritage and culture is so rich and deep and who knows how many people i mean yeah we have algorithms and and they're probably more accurate than i think they are but it sure wouldn't have it sure wouldn't hurt to have a little bit more of a of a thumb on this uh um so yeah and i think that's one of the biggest things like you mentioned what can we do as turkey hunters everyday guy and that involvement i was talking about is showing i mean through your voice and through your interactions with the agency you're showing them that hey these people are more motivated than they've ever been turkey hunters are are a wave that's much larger than they, than they once were they're going to pay attention to what we're doing and they're going to demand that a certain percentage of our money goes to helping upland habitat and and um thinning and burning and it's stuff that's going to help our birds our ground nesting birds i mean i think 
that's one of the biggest things we can do is just call your turkey coordinator, call your upland bird coordinator, say, hey, we're paying attention. You know, what are y'all doing for turkey? Like, what are y'all doing now that you right. didn't do last year? Like, how many more acres are burned this year than they were last year? Like, you know, I mean, people work harder when they know you're paying attention. You know what I mean? There's, I that's mean, right. we all know that guy that uh, – and like again, I don't. I'm not pointing a finger at state agencies. There's, man, there's some people that work for these state agencies that work way too many hours. You know, I mean, they don't mm, they don't yeah. get the overtime that a lot of other you know the private sector gets. They don't they they're they're asked to do more than they could be required to do in a lot of a lot of situations. Um, but like with any any organization, private or public, man, they there's some that don't. You know, so just holding each each person accountable. And um, when you're paying attention, people know that they they got to produce. They've got to uh, that you're expecting there to be some type of result. So, you know that that voice accomplishes that. Yeah, absolutely. So the, you know, a good example would be here in the state of Wisconsin. Like I look around at, at our state, and I'm very proud of what the DNR does. I think they do a, a really great job. the The wild turkey here is a is a conservation success story for us. Uh, here in this state, but I think, uh, you know, I think we have a big role to play as hunters to say, Hey, we, we don't, we're not happy with it. We want to keep going. We want to, uh, we're, we're interested. We're still watching. We still want to know what you're doing just because we've gotten to this level. doesn't mean it's time now to just coast off of, uh, the rebuilding of the population and how well that's gone. We want to, we want to see it continue to thrive and continue to flourish. Um, that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the positives. Like I said, out of every dark time, there seems to be a positive. And I think that's that's one of them that you just mentioned there that realizing that once this thing isn't done, like you seen their traffic transfer, the, the population speech, it was, it, they were kind of set to sail, not forgotten about, but just, you know, kind of flown under the radar for a certain amount of time there. And I think this little dark spot has kind of made sure that, that they don't ever go unrecognized again so i'm thinking that you know that's one of the positives that's going to rise out of this thing is you know pay attention you know that's why like i like you mentioned the stamp earlier i love that there being some type of designated funding some type of funding that can't be shifted to other areas of of the department or whatnot and i like i'd love to see every agency have some type of designated wild turkey or upland game bird fund they can't be used on deer or hogs or whatever you know Yep. Yeah. So in the, you mentioned a minute ago, uh, you know, in a state like Alabama, you really don't even know how many turkey hunters you actually have. And that's because there is no distinction. Like you get a, you buy your general hunting license and it's got your turkey stuff on there, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You buy a big game license or sportsman's license or, you know, I know it's in Georgia called sportsman license. You buy your big game license, you hunt deer and turkey and and whatever on all of it. So you don't really know. I mean, you can guess by how many licensing sales are happening February, March, I'm assuming. And they do like a phone survey. I think they're still doing phone surveys. And they have, like I said, these complex algorithms that may be more accurate than I think they are. But, man, I just, what if we had a turkey stamp or permit that you had to have the turkey hunt? Like that seems to me it would be, Man, it would be a lot more accurate than just having to plug some numbers, what to me seem like out of thin air, into an algorithm, you know? Yep. Yeah, what better way, one, to get an accurate count, and what better way to, to earmark some dollars, like you said, other than and not allow them to go to something else? Yep. yep. 
Well, Dave, I got, I've got one more question that I want to ask you, and you can totally decline to answer this question. I, as I think about this, there's a lot of opinions out there when it comes to turkey hunting and how we as hunters need to change some of our behavior. Um, whether that be how many birds we're killing off of a given property, whether that be the tactics that we're using to take some of these birds, especially, uh, you know, early on in the season when the gobblers maybe haven't had a chance to do a lot of breeding. What are some of Dave Owen's unpopular opinions about things we need to change right now, whether that be in our tactics, whether that be in our management, whether that be in regulations and how seasons are handled. What are Dave Owen's unpopular opinions that's going to fill up your DMs and on Instagram? <laughs> I mean, I, I just think it's self-accountability. Uh, just realizing the, the imprint that we have on the, on the resource and feeling, you know, coming to that realization that I mentioned earlier, that this thing is fragile. It's not like a, you know, we're not growing trees here. Like these, these things are fragile. They take some nurturing to get to get to the populations that we've gotten. It took a lot of people before us to get them there. Uh, I don't want their uh, efforts to go, you know, to go just to the wayside because they, uh, they, they, the turkey, the resource entered a generation that didn't care or was uh, ignorant to the fact that we do have to nurture and take care of this resource. So, um, unpopular opinion. Um, yeah, man, I don't hear again. I think it's going to come back down to shoot, man. I don't know. Like I, I probably have a lot of unpopular opinions, uh, and I don't want to come off as one of those top purists that think, you know, thinks that ultimately I want people to get out and turkey hunt because I want them to appreciate the resource and I want them to be in our corner. I want them to sure. figure out that turkeys are something that we can all enjoy. And I want them to enjoy them so that they will be a voice for, for helping them in the long run. Um, but, yeah, that, that accountability and uh, keeping an eye on your neighbor, educating your neighbor, gathering a voice so that when, when regulation or legislature or whatever it may be needs to take place, that we can make it happen. Um I mean, shoot, man. I mean, look, since the turn of the year, the attacks that we are seeing on hunting as a, as, you know, not turkey hunting, just hunting in general. I mean, it's appalling. Having a voice is, is huge, more important now than ever before. Um, but everybody relates that to making more hunters, and we don't need more hunters. We grow our public lands, man. Come on, you know, bark up a different tree because I'm not listening to it. Um, <laughs> that being said, that being said, I don't know if it's more hunters that, that's happening you know um I, I, I honestly think it's just the hunters that that were already there are becoming more involved you know that i mean like myself 20 years ago man i was a hardcore turkey hunter 20 years ago but i wasn't nearly involved in wild turkey conservation as i am now because i didn't know it was necessary so i think you're just seeing a lot of the population that already existed among turkey hunters becoming more involved and more educated about the topic and more willing to help, you know, because they, 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 they realize that it's necessary just like I did. Yep, for sure. And I, I think that, that goes a long way right there. Just to, just the realization about yourself that, Hey, if you enjoy this, then you, if you like this resource and you like to turkey hunt, then that brings with it a responsibility to the resource. Absolutely. It, yeah, bring, it brings with it a responsibility. Yep. What's that? Go ahead. I said, yeah, just that self, just holding yourself accountable for the, 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 the what you're what you're doing there. I think if everybody just slowed down and said, okay, 
I kill three turkeys, I need to put six back on the landscape. How can I do that? Well, that means I need to save a nest. How can I save a nest? You know what I mean? I need to save two nests. How yep. can I say, you know? Um, and, you know, if everybody put two or three back, every one they took, man, would be in a good place. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, Dave, we're coming up on about an hour here. I want to be respectful of your time, but I do want to hear, uh, what are your plans for the year? Is, uh, is Wisconsin on your radar at all? Um, whew, I, I'm not sure, man. I kind of float with the air. I float with the wind. Um, Wisconsin's always top of the list. Cause I really like, I really like Wisconsin. I was there last year though. And typically I don't revisit multiple and then years back to back, but you can't ever tell. It all depends on where I'm at on the road and what a, timing and flexibility i have there so i can't say that it's not on the list but <laughs> excuse me they're getting over that bug like we mentioned earlier but anyway um <laughs> i think everybody's getting over it right now man. Yeah, it's, man it's been rough but uh but all that being said i mean there's a lot of the same as far as i go as far as the Kenhody project goes we're just gonna gonna get out there and enjoy ourselves we only get 90 days or so to enjoy this thing so uh we're gonna try to make the most out of it and um shoot man try to hopefully hopefully get somebody out there excited about it. It may not have been. There you go, man. Well, keep on, keep it on doing what you're doing. I love to see what you're doing. Uh, you've gotten me more and more fired up, not only about turkey hunting, but also about turkey conservation. So really appreciate the voice that you're using uh, out there right now to, to put more turkeys on the landscape. If folks want to hear more from you, see more from you, where can they find you? Well, we launched a new website this year that kind of put everything in one place. Um, so, uh, com can kind of get you anywhere you want to know with the Penhody Project. Obviously, we got our start and our our feet are firmly rooted in YouTube, uh, making those episodes available, also available on Mossy Oak Go. Um, if you want to watch it there, uh, that's where all of our videos are available. Um, new content starts today, as a matter of fact, where it'll be the remainder of the 2021 season we uh, kind of held over since last year man and then of course everybody's on social media right facebook instagram so you can find us there um yeah that's just about it and if anybody's got questions or or whatnot let me know um it's gonna be that busy time of year so the dm box or pm dm whatever it is box is filling up and i try to get back to folks but it won't be long before the truck pointed southward and spring will start and i'm really hard to get in touch with that time of year because <laughs> The uh, responsibilities pile up. So, um, yep, for anyway. sure. Well, man, good luck to you this season. I hope you uh, hope you have the best season yet with Penhody Project. Looking forward to seeing what all you guys produce. And uh, hey, thanks for what you're doing to get folks uh, involved and get hunters engaged with the conversation around wild turkeys. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. And that is all for this week. Thank you so so very much for listening. Big thanks to Dave for coming on the show. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so that you do not miss an episode. Subscribe to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network for all kinds of other relevant outdoor content. And until next time, make sure you are getting outside and taking advantage of the incredible resource that is ours as Wisconsin Sportsman.